Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back. This is Taiyi, and I am so excited to reconnect with you guys. I feel like it has been forever. It has only been a week, but this last week, let me tell you, it has been extremely long. It's felt like a month instead of a week. I don't know what's going on, but I think it's because I am still inside my house. For those of you who've lived to um, excuse me past episodes you will know that I have now been in quarantine for like the better half of three months yeah a long time so I think it's starting to actually catch up with me but anyways you guys tuned in today to listen to information about real estate, about investing, about generational wealth, about building a rental portfolio for passive income, everything that has to do with securing your financial self, your family, and your future. All of the F's that matter. Okay, so today I want to do just that. And today my goal with this episode is really, really to hone in and have you believe, if nothing else, that you need to focus on one main thing this week, if none other. Okay, and that one thing I really want you guys to have as a takeaway is how to develop your sales skills. For most of you, any number of you would agree, for the most part again, that you have to have some degree of comfort, of familiarity, or experience with sales, no matter what profession or career or maybe even hobby you choose to get into. If you're not having to sell someone something, you're having to sell yourself that it is possible, that you can do this, that this cannot be put on hold or on the back burner and wait for somebody else to champion your path to success. No, you have to blaze your own trail, but it doesn't mean you have to do it by yourself. And it absolutely means that you cannot do it without some degree of sales skills. Does that mean you have to be a sales expert? No, it does not. Does that mean you have to eat, sleep, and breathe sales? No, it does not. Does that mean you have to be have you know some genetic coding to be able to be even decent in the realm of sales? No, it does not. In fact, I am the least salesy type of person that you will probably encounter. I am very laid back and I come from a very non-aggressive, super chill, non, you know, like hardcore sales background in every profession from network marketing to the beauty industry to science and medicine to the education component to real estate and investing to fashion I, you name it, I have done a lot and in every single situation, every single career path or even hobby, again, even with children and having five of them, you have to become good, okay, parents, on at least developing your sales skills because do not for one second think you will not be negotiating or selling a child on the importance of listening to you to have a better future, right? Just to make things super simple. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get into it, okay? What I want you guys to understand first and foremost on this topic is that sales are a universal topic, 
Okay, it again goes back to that underlying theme that no matter what industry, what walk of life, what age, race, skin color, ethnicity you are, who your parents are, who your siblings are, none of that really is going to matter because sales at the end of the day is a universal topic in some language, land or other that people are talking about. Okay, it's one that all of us have come into contact with at one point or another in some way, form or fashion. Like as soon as you understand that, quote unquote, selling is something we do all day, the more inclined you will actually be in accepting the fact that we must learn the basics of selling. Okay, so for me, sales strategies really boil down to one ultimate factor, and that factor is preparation. Preparation is the culmination of three main components that I like to think of it in terms of, okay? So it's kind of like this trifecta, this triangle with education being combined with knowledge that is also combined with organization, Okay, so let me say that again. The sales strategy, how I think of it, it really boils down, if I had to think of it in terms of one word, would be preparation. And preparation is a culmination or kind of a, a, a kind of this beautiful kind of uh, un- unity of combining education, which is of the product or service being sold or delivered with knowledge in our case being knowledge of your marketplace and competing products and services offered by competitors and organization of details and consistent follow-up because we cannot lie about it. The money is in the follow-up. Even if that means seven to 12 contacts to a lead later, that follow-up is going to show consistency, persistence, motivation. It's going to show professionalism, and it's going to convey a higher degree of trust. And people do business with people they know, like, and trust, right? So the ability in our world of real estate investing, specifically if you're in the wholesale kind of trial or or path right now to really build your capital reserve, or if you're more of a seasoned investor already and you're using wholesaling as a means to continue to fund your other real estate niches that you're involved in or invested in, then it really becomes the ability of a wholesaler or acquisition specialist, whatever you want to term it as, in whatever industry it may apply to you as, it's really that idea that any product successfully depends on clear communication of like that product education, right? To your potential clients, knowing the market well is another ingredient and also maintaining consistent and effective follow-up techniques with your prospective buyers. So that does not just mean the language of real estate investing. No, that applies to nonprofit sector, for-profit sector. That applies to, uh, you know, fashion, to beauty, to design, to art, to real estate. It applies to any niche or any industry that you may currently be involved in, have been involved in, or looking to get involved in. 
that ability to wholesale any of those types of products or services, it really is defined by clear communication. And you have to have that product knowledge no matter what. You have to know the market well no matter what. And you also have to maintain, again, that consistent and effective follow-up to your prospective buyer so you always stay top of mind or at least very high up, right? So a lot of times people are like, hey, Tai, I totally get everything you're saying about sales, but like, what does that have to do with wholesalers, at least in the real estate capacity, right? And just kind of thinking with this, um, with my husband and I, we have done a lot. We've worked with a lot of investors. We've been into almost every niche of real estate over my, you know, 10 years and counting of experience. His over 15 years, our combined almost over 30 years of real estate investing has really allowed us to see a whole lot of success and a whole lot of failures, including those of our own. Right. So what we find when we kind of narrow it down and just focus for a second on the successful wholesalers and the traits or the characteristics maybe that they embody, it really comes down to a top seven that we have identified within successful wholesalers, including those traits that we embody ourselves. Right. So I wanted to share with you guys also the answer to that question is kind of as I go through this list of seven, even if you're not in real estate investing and you're in another industry or have other businesses, you want to kind of think about, hey, does this sound like me? Yes or no? Keep it super simple, above the surface, but be honest with yourself. Okay, so trait number one is that successful wholesalers really embody this maintenance of a passion for their work. Okay, they maintain a passion for their work. The second trait that we see is that they work a plan consistently and methodically. Okay, they are very consistent. They have a method to their madness. They don't stop. They're they're, you know, very, very, very driven, goal driven, taskless driven. They're even what I consider to be task masters. Right. They have to check the boxes. The third trait that we see successful wholesalers embody is that they implement marketing techniques to prospect for buyers consistently. That means offline strategies for marketing, online strategies for marketing. They spend money. They use free versions. They use a combination of different marketing techniques and approaches and messages to consistently build their buyer's list because they know their money and profits are housed in their list, their buyer's list, their list of people who are going to become their prospective buyer clients, okay? Trait number four is that they network and leverage their contacts. It's so funny that like when I first met my husband, one of the very first things before we started cohabitating that I noticed is that like when I went into his closet, he had this like mysterious box, like a shoe box. He had a bunch of shoe boxes, but this one in particular stood out because he loves shoes. But the box was more interesting because it had a little carving out at the top. So I'm like, huh, 
what is this? Like, this is a homemade something. And I was just nosy enough to have to figure out what that something is. Well, nosy little me went on over to that shoebox, okay? Some may have called it snooping, but hey, stand with no judgment and just listen to my story real quick, okay? <laughs> so I go over to this shoebox. I like stick my finger in to pull the top out because it's like carved in a rectangle kind of design at the top so that you can actually like create a little flap and then open it. So I'm like, what are you putting in here? So of course, like I said, I stick my nose in somebody else's business, in this case, in his shoebox and to my complete jaw drop surprise, let me tell you guys, he has an abundance of business cards. This is like his little business card cave, okay? Like, it's crazy. I never seen anything like it. Like, I do not like papers. I don't like clutter. I don't like a lot of kind of paper or tangible things. I like the digital version. I only like to write out my thoughts or anything instant that I need to remember. Things like that or even a to-do list, I do like on paper to feel, you know, the rubber meeting the road, so to speak. But this man had a whole collection of this fanciest shoebox I've ever seen with a self-carving out at the top of probably every single person in business or in life that he has interacted with. He had this shoebox full of their business cards. And when I tell you I was jaw dropped, I literally was like, what are you doing with thousands, okay, of business cards? Like, what are you doing? And he had a very crisp, instant, simple answer. And he said that he uses them as leverage. I'm like, okay, you use them as leverage. What does that mean to the average person? Like dumb this down for me just a tad bit more. I knew the concept of leverage. That means just to kind of like in my head, put one foot up over another type of, you know, scenario is what I had in my mind. But he just said that he never destroyed a business card he ever received from networking with other people because it allows him to leverage his contacts by either providing them with value, added services, support, or business, or he used them to be able to then contribute to something that he is building, right? So that at any given time, no matter the industry or the person, he would have a network, a net that works so that his net worth would never be affected. Because as the old adage or the old saying is, your network is your net worth. So I'm like, I'm literally looking at this man. And if I'm just looking at him from even the very skewed perspective of looking at his network, I'm like, his network is ridiculous. So his bag must be. No, but that's not why we got together. Okay. That's beyond the point, but I'm just, I'm just joking. But I was serious at the same time. Like this man's network is massive. It's ridiculous, right? Because I literally seen his business in a box. I literally seen his network here and he prized it so much that he put it in the best shoebox he can find and added a little pizzazz to it. So I was like, it has to be something special. And inside of it is all of his contacts. That's how much he treasures and prizes his contacts. So I say all that to say that successful wholesalers really do embody the principle of principle number 
number four that we came up and concluded is that they network and leverage their contacts. They're always at events, whether it's social, virtual, right? Whether it's fancy or informal, whether it's just a uh, get together, a gathering or a dinner or a bar mitzvah. I don't know. It's always an event where like-minded people usually gather, come together, network and build for or towards a common cause. Okay. And number five, uh, it leads me to of successful wholesalers. They embody the trait of organization. They are super organized. They are organized. They are organized. Okay. Almost to the OCD level, right? Like I am not going to lie. Organization is something that I completely lacked, especially very early on. Like it took a lot of drilling from a lot of caring, but annoying people around me. Like you got to get this together, sis. You cannot continue to operate like this because to build a business, you have to have order. To have order, you have to have systems. So I had to get organized to say the absolute least. And that is a consistent quality that I have seen even myself in other wholesalers that are super successful, making anywhere from over $100,000 to over $200,000 in their first year as well, to now even over six to seven figure businesses every single year. You have to have organization to be able to pull off an organization that is that massive, okay? So Quality number six is that they are always looking for new deals, new buyers, and the next new opportunity or an existing opportunity that they can take advantage of in a new way, right? They always have their bifocals on, so to speak. They always have their eyes peeled and their nose in somebody else's shoebox, <laughs> in my case, or they have their business, their, their nose in somebody else's you know, uh, living room. If it's a, it's a person, if it's a prospective seller, they have their nose in someone else's pockets. If it's a prospective buyer, they are front and center, always looking and on the lookout for the next thing or person or place, right? Which is super important. And number seven, trait number seven for successful wholesalers, they embody the trait of knowing when to handle objections, when to access information, and when to refer to third parties. They know how to play quarterback, okay? Now, that is a super random uh, analogy that I'm using because my husband is a football fanatic. I am not like, I literally know zero to none about it other than kind of the positions. But what I do know (laughs) is that the quarterback is the person I think that is supposed to be running the show, right? Everybody relies on them and their acuity and their knowledge of not only the game and they are a master of their craft, but they also play the position of being the quote unquote, smartest person on their team and by smart in our case we just consider that to be when to pass the ball who to pass it to how to handle any tackles or people that might be trying to approach them or access them same thing with wholesaling right they you have to know when to handle objections you have to know when to access information and how to get access to that information and when to refer to a third party That, my friends, is the seven traits 
that we see successful wholesaler embody and that over the years of trial and error, of experience, of exposure, of networking, of analysis, like those are the seven that we really feel and believe that a successful wholesaler or any person in business in some capacity of wholesaling um, has to embody in order to be successful. Right. And what success looks like for you may be different, but those traits are usually the same. Now, a good education and also understanding of your products does assure um, an ability to, you know, for you to kind of be able to articulate what is wrong. If you're thinking in terms of, of real estate, maybe what's in uh, what's wrong with the house you're selling, what needs to be improved prior to selling it, maybe even how much it will cost to make those improvements and also how long will those improvements take to actually make Maybe even it might include, most importantly, what it will sell for, otherwise known as the ARV after repair value, once these steps are taken. Knowledge about all of those things, knowing what is wrong with the house you are selling and being able to articulate a brief description of that is the first step to get your wholesale buyers engaged in your deals. It all stems around that knowledge piece. Okay, and it's an offspring of preparation. So it's also important to know the strength also um, when you're dealing with real estate, the strength of the house you are selling. So these two can be presented. You have to be the one stop shop of knowledge, essentially, for these buyers. Okay, so that you can have your deals in the bag and the money in the bank from the buyers to be able to have either side tilt you know, kind of the the easel so that you are in the position of power and power comes from knowledge because knowledge is your power, especially in the business of real estate investing. Now, why do I say all of this, right? Like about successful trades. Why am I talking about preparation? Why am I talking to you guys about sales? Well, sales is real estate. Real estate is sales. They are a synonymous term almost, just meaning a specific or different industry. You have to know your stuff in order to get deals and sell deals. Does that mean you have to be a master or expert knower of all things, a jack of all trades? No, it does not. But it does mean you need to know some essential details about the industry, the process, but also the paperwork, the house, the structure, and even down to the repairs, right? Like a description of even repairs is necessary for the rehabilitation of the property. And that is important because it can become and should be one of the services that you can actually provide to a prospective wholesale buyer. This is the same scope of work you would actually provide yourself an outline for your own benefit, essentially, if you were going to rehab the property yourself. So you always want to go into the property, into the deal with the eye of your wholesale buyer because you want to be able to analyze it and evaluate it as if you were going to do the rehab and what would you want and expect of yourself to have and know in order to pull the trigger on the deal. Those same things can become a service or value-added proposition that you extend as additional or kind of, uh, you know, um, add-on services to your buyer. 
right? So having that ability to articulate and accurately estimate the cost of repairs is actually what serves to then separate you from your competition. Like this is why it is so important to study rehabbing in detail or have at least the ability to refer to the Investor Answer Rehabbers um, reference manual that we offer as even a course, written, video, and audio versions because it is that important that you approach every wholesale as if you were going to rehab it yourself. That is exactly the same approach that we take, that we teach, and that we expect even of other wholesalers. Down to the point that in our rehab reference manual, we actually study and execute a very systematic seven-stage rehab. And just a quick overview of what those seven stages are. It's number one, the initial walkthrough of the property. Number two, a full scope of work on the property. Number three, the contractor and job bidding phase. Number four, the contract signing. Number five, the rehab process. Number six, the contract closing out and number seven, the final touches, right? Does it sound like I know a little something about rehab? Yes. Even from that seven step systematic system that we employ on every single deal, no matter the type of deal, the type of property or the exit strategy that we are going to use, such as wholesaling, rehabbing or buying it to hold or prehabbing even, we are going in with the eye of a rehabber, no matter what we ultimately do with that property. We have a very clear-cut step-by-step system for what we do, not just a random thought about what we should do that we pull out of thin air. No, these are tried and true. They work in any market for any property in any area, no matter the situation or condition of that property. And that is how systematic you want to approach the, the, the industry of real estate investing when it comes specifically to the renovation side. These seven stages we absolutely believe should always be followed in order to rehab any property successfully. And again, wholesaling is handing off a money-making opportunity and getting paid for that future income. By completing in detail an initial walkthrough and creating this detailed scope of work, right, and qualifying quote-unquote mature or grown-up or even adult contractors to get proper bids and estimates on the rehab work as well as preparing the paperwork for the contractors and then wholesaling the deal to another investor, it pretty much becomes almost impossible for a prospective wholesale buyer to turn down your deal when all the due diligence has basically been done and completed for them. Like I can guarantee that if you treat every wholesale deal as if you were going to do the rehab and provide all of that due diligence work as an added value to the deal, then you will be closing more wholesales than you ever imagined. Like I know you're thinking, okay, Tai, like wholesaling should not be so much work. And I agree in theory. However, If you want to close more deals and make more money, you know, executing just a few extra steps will drastically increase your closing ratios on all your potential wholesale deals. This is always our goal and our gold. You do not want to 
have a lesser closing ratio or you do not want to flip the switch from having the seven, you know, focusing and having and embodying and creating like your sales skills to the point where you're able to, you know, be a fabulous, successful wholesaler, but you have that sabotaged by maybe flipping that to having the seven deadly sins that we say that we see of a lot of other and actually to be quite honest the vast majority of other people that get in the business and those seven deadly sins are things that evolve from their ethics in the business and that's things like pride envy gluttony lust anger greed sloth like those things are real and those things are actually what's more prevalent and those things keep you from going the extra mile providing the extra value and service because it is you know more work and like a quote that I've heard before that I like is that opportunity is often missed because it's dressed in overalls and looks like hard work. That could not be further from the truth, right? That is what keeps people more so than anything, even fear of the unknown of not having or doing or blah, 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 blah. You know, that is what keeps people from pursuing this as a career, as a even side stream of income or passive income for that matter. It is because it looks on the surface like that is a lot of hard work. Well, let me tell you something, that hard work pays off and pays off big time. And that hard work is only what we're talking about, about let's just say maybe eight to 15 hours per deal, as opposed to two to five hours per deal. That in terms of numbers means you're, instead of making two to $5,000 per wholesale deal, you can be making on average like us to over $22,000 per wholesale deal that we do up to 90,000 up to $115,000 per wholesale deal. That means that you did not even do the work of the rehabber, but you did all of the due diligence work to make the rehabber's job seamless, simple, and even fun for them at that point by simply providing a full service without the existence of your ethics being compromised and condensed and prideful and envious, any of those things that completely sabotage deals and lessen the amount of money that you make at the end of the day. Like, especially now as the markets have gone up and come down even, it is obvious which people were doing business the right way and which ones were doing it the wrong way. Like, if you are selling deals that don't put other people in a good position to make money, then wholesaling will merely be like a fad for you. If you seek to be a great wholesaler with longevity, then you have to operate ethically and really put people in a position to win. Your whole ethics really determine both your spiritual and your material wealth. Like you need to memorize the seven sins. And remember, if you consistently convey these characteristics, people will simply not want to look for you or your deals, nor will they want to associate with you in business in any capacity. Like the best advice about this I can give you as a wholesaler is to always leave something on the table, right? And like, what does that mean? It means you will not like establish a client base or even repeat business if you don't pass along value. 
and value can be conveyed in a many different ways. It can be money, rehab knowledge, vendors, um, referrals, and education. All of those are examples of value because the best wholesalers will consistently sell profitable deals. They will consistently convey rehab knowledge, create access to quality vendors, and continue to educate their clients on the market. So the longevity of your wholesaling career will directly correlate with the sound ethics you convey and implement in your marketplace. It will help you to avoid the allure of these seven deadly sins I talked about and also not to fall victim to short-term gains to lose out on a long-term business success. So you want to just keep in mind that you are in the business of putting other people in business too. And then success comes to you faster if your clients are successful too. All of the service we provide, I can 100% with confidence say, is delivered by accommodating a turnkey transaction. Like what that looks like from us is like once our wholesale buyers make the decision to purchase, our machine starts rolling. Our machine learning technology, our AI systems, our people, they start rolling once that decision is made. That's all the buyer has to do is say yes, right? And then our financing team members contact the buyer, the insurance team member we have contacts the buyer, our closing attorney and escrow agents contact the buyer, and then our contract network contacts the buyer. They are all working as a well-oiled machine. All of these team members are part of the service that we provide when you offer your wholesale deals, right? And that is what I am hoping that you want to scale and grow and develop your sales skills around so that it affords you the ability to provide this level of service. Because when all of these people are assisting the buyer through a successful transaction, your wholesale is more than just a product. It is a full end-to-end service. So what's my point? Well, as I start to wrap this episode up, I want the takeaway for you guys to be that you have to develop your sales skills in any industry, in any niche to be able to provide a service and have a sustainable business, even if that business is not the business of real estate investing. You want to provide a service that is really turnkey. Do you even know what like a turnkey operation is by term? Well, if you don't, the term quote unquote turnkey in real estate, at least, is just as it sounds and implies that like all the buyer has to do is make the decision to buy. And everything after that is a matter of walking in and turning the key. All the decision maker basically has to do at this point is get in the car and turn the key and they simply drive away like So so that's why, you guys, I'm saying that you really need to focus on developing your sales skills because a sale, let's face it, it's a one-time transaction. However, a customer is a continuous income stream and an income stream allows you to market more, to rehab more, and finally, to wholesale more.